Welcome to the For the Church podcast, another great gospel-centered resource from Midwestern Baptist Theological Seminary. My name is Jared Wilson. I'm an assistant professor of pastoral ministry and author in residence at Midwestern Seminary. I'm also the general editor. Hey, yes, of you For are. The Church. I'm glad you're recognizing this. I, well, I don't mention it because I don't want to take away from the thunder of you being the managing <laughs> editor. If someone says to me, "Are you the editor of For the Church?" I say, "Man, generally." <laughs> But if and, you want to know who I actually say, manages... And if they say, are you an editor? I say, managerially. <laughs> managerially. He's like, well, somehow I manage. I'm so proud of you. That's an office an reference. An office reference. That's right. That's what you do. Somehow you manage. I'm with Ronnie Kurtz, as always. Dr. Ronnie Kurtz, Assistant Professor of Christian Studies, Assistant Director of Marketing, Managing Editor of For the Church, and a pastor at Emmaus Church. How you been, brother? I'm good, man. How are you? I'm doing well. This is the ETS week. This is ETS week. Yeah. yeah. E- Evangelical Theological Society. Basically, Star Trek convention <laughs> for theology people. Yes, that's exactly right. A lot yeah. of khaki, <laughs> yeah. a lot of navy I, blazers. I saw that. You saw that on Twitter, too. Someone, someone said on, on Twitter the other day, uh, uh, it was a, some female user on Twitter said, hey, I just want you guys who are going to be ETS to know you don't have to wear khaki and blaze, navy mm. blazers. You can do something else. Yeah. So. Well, and you're not a big navy blazer guy. No, you're, I did wear you one do the, today. You do have one today. Yeah. Oh, you, okay. But I am wearing green pants, so I'm throwing everything off. Yeah, okay. You're, so. you're more of a cardigan guy. Oh, yeah. Amen. But it's a big deal. Khakis yeah. and navy blazers at it's ETS. ETS dress code. I guess yeah. so. Are, are you presenting? I am. Yeah, I'm presenting you, this year. What are you presenting on? I, <laughs> you ready for this? I really okay. brought out my Baptistic side in my paper title. Hmm, my right. paper title is... Who are you trying to convince that you're really a Baptist? <laughs> That's right, okay. yeah. My paper title is Denouncing Divine Changelessness, mm. Denials and Deviations That's of a Divine lot of, Immutability. That's a lot of <laughs> denouncing denials. And the- Basically, I'm trying to give a taxonomy or uh, explain reasons why... Throughout history, people have denied divine immutability. Okay. So I'm not attempting to answer their questions. I'm just trying to give scholars in the future some handrails to hold on to. Yeah. As opposed to spending five pages on this person denies that God can't change for these reasons. They can just say they use this denial and point back to this piece of scholarship. Whoa, this, this sounds actually innovative. So you're trying to, I'm you're trying creating to give labels. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, that somebody would use. It would become shorthand. That's right. For these things. That's oh, exactly right. So it's a good little presenting with Stephen Doobie, uh, Matt Barrett, well, of Craig course, Carter. Doobie. I, you didn't have other D, <laughs> people with last names with D that you That's could right. use. That's right. He's presenting on impassibility. I'm doing immutability. Denying so. and denouncing the Doobie, <laughs> the, 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 the Doobie the, the, brothers. <laughs> that's good. Okay. But you, maybe more importantly at ETS, yeah. I'm going to a Mavs game. So that's fine. Okay. Where, where is it in Dallas? It's in Fort Worth. Okay. Yeah, yeah, okay. This year. So, so I try to go to a sporting event every time I leave the city. I wanted to go last year. I never go to this thing. I'm not an academic. Are you going to go? No, I'm not going. Oh. But it was in Rhode Island last year. Or, yes. Or did it get canceled because of COVID? It typically rotates between Rhode Island, Denver, and San Diego. Okay. Oh, so, okay. So it'll be in Rhode Island again soon. Yeah, it should be. I, that's the only reason why I thought about going because it, <laughs> New, it was in New England. I thought, well, I'll go up to New England because I just love New England. Uh, no, and I love my favorite thing during ETS week, as someone who doesn't go, are all the photos of people reading papers to empty rooms. Oh, man. It's, it's my favorite brutal. thing. It's it's like next to, um, I love the little like pictorials of abandoned malls. Yeah. That's kind of nostalgic. <laughs> it's same feel, same Listen, vibe. Listen, ETS friends. All okay? these empty chairs. If you're hearing me, <laughs> do your brothers a favor and work that angle on your camera. Yeah, Don't right. show 45 empty chairs. Yeah, right, right, right. <laughs> It looks like uh, that one guy, the the guy out in Florida. I don't remember his name, and we don't need to say his name, but he's like the crazy preacher who's yeah. like he's like in a hotel, and 
all the photos of him preaching like are to empty rows of chairs. Yes, yeah. And you're like, does this guy even have a church? How yeah. does he end up on? Well, that's what happens yeah. when you get into higher level scholarship is you get so niche, you know, that's there's right. like six people. And you know, the joke is like your wife and your mom, but no, they're not even interested. They're not there. No, <laughs> like, they don't want to go to that they're, thing. They're not interested in yeah. taxonomy of divine immutability. Yeah. So it's like all the guys at the Star Trek, uh, Trek convention, they have girlfriends. You just don't know them. They live in Canada. <laughs> they, they swear they're real. <laughs> it's a similar thing. I really do have one. Yeah, it's a similar thing. Well, I hope you have a great uh, a great time at ETS, and I hope the— uh, Do you want the Mavs to win? What? I don't Why know. the significance? This it's is, just because it's Mavs. Yeah, it's, it's just because what's surprising area. to me is, you know, I'm a diehard baseball fan, diehard soccer fan. Okay. Love football. Yeah. But my heart's been torn out of my chest when the Rams left St. Yes. Louis. I've never really been into basketball. My wife's okay. family super into basketball, but what's surprising is I've been to more professional basketball arenas than any other sport. Okay. This will be like my seventh. But not really into basketball that much. But not really. I mean, I, I like I like sports in general. Yeah. So uh, I'll enjoy watching it. I know I know players. I know what's cool. So yeah. it'll be fun. Yeah. Well, that's a good transition oh my into gosh. our subject of the day. I you're know not the feeling, subject. You're oh, not feeling basketball. Wow. And today's subject matter is when you're not feeling it. That's not bad. So something that I was trying to get you to stay on that level, but you were like, yeah, I really don't enjoy basketball, but Wait it's going to be fun. I'm like, hold on a second. Wait just a second. say the first part. So our banter is manipulated by you. No, you just took the- it there. <laughs> I was looking for the on-ramp because you're always saying that I, I can't find the on-ramp. Yeah. And that's yeah, yeah, I thought, yeah. oh, he's not feeling basketball. That's this hilarious. is their on-ramp yeah. to not when you're not feeling it. Yeah. So we're talking about uh, for those who are in ministry, ministry leaders, not just pastors, but I guess those who are in leadership of some kind. This is, I mean, the last two years, I, you know, for some, the last four or five years probably. But in particular, the last couple of years with COVID and, and, and the social justice conversation and politics and everything else. Um, and it's not just a two-year deal. This has been an ongoing thing. Uh, Richard Baxter wrote about it. John Newton wrote about it. Charles Spurgeon wrote about it in lectures to my students. The minister's fainting fits, he called it. Just the times where you're tempted to want to phone it in. You, you're wondering, am I called to this? You begin to envision maybe there's greener grass somewhere else. Um, it's just a season of discouragement, maybe even depression, but low seasons in ministry. What When Paul says to Timothy, preach the word in season and out of season, maybe it's uh, one of those out of season times. Maybe the word isn't out of season, but maybe you feel out yeah. of season in some way. Um, I think every pastor goes through this. Every ministry leader goes through this at one time or another. And I'm particularly thinking of some who may be going through it right now. Yes. And in fact, my, this may be the first episode they ever listened to because I saw it shared on social media when you're not feeling it and think, well, if I'm going to listen to one, maybe this is it because I am just not feeling it. And it's the middle of the week. If you're listening to this on the day it comes out, um, you may be looking at that Sunday sermon. It's not you know, finding its way out of your pen and out of your brain very well. You may be thinking of meetings you're about to go into. You may be looking at the weekend thinking this should be a time of rest. But all I can think about is the dread that's coming on Sunday to have to kind of go part that water one more time. Well, let's talk about it. Yeah. Um, I know you've been through seasons like this before. Mm-hmm. I have certainly been through numerous seasons in different contexts like this before. Is there is there a time that you could describe maybe, you know, a low season in ministry? What was the, what was that like? Yeah. First, um, I'm glad you addressed those pastors, Jared. I think there's a real chance that some folks who could describe themselves like that accurately accurately are listening. So before I do anything, let me just say, uh, brother, pastor, God sees you. He has you. Uh, He's near to you. He will not forget you. Um, So draw near to him. Uh, uh, For me, I have 
uh, even being young in ministry, I've been a pastor for uh, since 2014. So whatever that is, eight years, seven years, something like that. Um, and in these eight years, there's been seasons where it's been real hard, real, real dry. Uh, and in fact, I can, I'm happy to describe one. One, uh, there was, a, there was a, a particular year I was working through kind of my own childhood and counseling even, just not finding joy in almost anything. So reading the scriptures weren't doing it for me. Listening to preaching wasn't doing it for me. My own community wasn't doing it for me. Um, and so that was probably the worst it's ever been. And so I, I'm happy to talk about times where it was that bad and then the seasons where it's not quite that bad, but it still feels heavy. But let me just start in its worst case scenario. Mm. For me, I needed four to six months off. Now, okay. I, I, I was granted that by my pastors. I'm a lay elder, so it wasn't super difficult to grant that. But my pastors very much care about pastoral care, and they wanted to see me refresh and revitalize and take care of my own soul, take care of my family, pursue some counseling in that season. So that was, I think that was 2017 for me. Uh, yeah, 2017, I took six months off the pastoral ministry just to take care of myself, honestly, to deal with some sorrow from childhood. And yeah, just a lot of, a lot of personal emotional work yeah. to, to work towards emotional health. You might not be able to do that. You might be a solo pastor who's six months off is a dream. That would be amazing. But of course, you can't do that. And I would just say there's a couple of logs you can throw into a fire. One is don't downplay your own affections. I think it's important to be self-aware and know what stirs your affections and know how to pursue those in ways that are actually what will lead to some kind of longevity. Uh, whether that's silliness, like for me, uh, we make a lot of jokes about how much fiction I read, but that's, that's part of the reason mm. is because I'm inspired by beauty. And often I find a lot of beauty within fiction. Um, some people that's silly and they might be inspired by, you know, woodworking or something, something yeah. else. So just know yourself, know your affections. And then, uh, I mean, it almost feels like this is so obvious. It's silly to say, but I think we should say it is tend to your own relationship with Jesus. Yeah. I could tell you right now, I have never experienced a dry season in which that wasn't first dry. My own pursuit of my relationship with Jesus. That's just what, that's what goes first. And then the sorrow follows and the dryness in ministry follows. And so, man, just be, if you have to be dogmatic about one thing in your personal life, be dogmatic about your own relationship with Jesus, whatever that looks like, yeah. Bible reading, prayer, walking, meditation, whatever. Just don't be dogmatic about it. Yeah. I think the number one thing that I had to kind of keep in mind, um, aside from, is my intimacy with Christ vibrant? Am I actually pursuing that? Am I dry spiritually, as you said? Is, am I in re reactive mode or yeah. proactive mode, just in terms of ministry? And anyone, if you're listening to this for the first, this is the first episode you've ever listened to, um, do yourself a favor also, and, and when you're done, or, or just press pause and go back and listen to last week's episode on low-maintenance church members, hmm. um, because that's really important for the consideration of this when you're not feeling it. So I discovered that when my ministry agenda and schedule was being set by all the fires I had to put out yeah, and wasn't me sort of proactively um, pouring into people I wanted to disciple, mentoring people, um, and doing visitation and meeting with people who weren't asking for me, who didn't, quote unquote, need me. I mean, to be a pastor is to meet with people who need you. Uh, so all the caveats we gave in the last episode, I'm going to carry them into this episode as well. But I walked out of 
uh, pastoral time with people that who I would consider low maintenance church members. I was just there to get to know them, to you know spend time with them. They were happy I did it. I walked out feeling built up and feeling like, gosh, why can't ministry be more like this more yes. often? Yep. Well, it can if we prior, you know prioritize spending more time with the members of our flock. And it changes the way you view the whole flock. Yes. If if all of your time is reactive, just putting out fires, going to the emergencies, seeing just the people who are, you know, waving their hands saying they need you, if that's all that you do, you have to do that. But if that's all that you do, your impression of the flock as a whole is going to be this is just an emotional black hole and I'm constantly giving and and no one's giving back and 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 so you're going to be in this season just because of the reactive mode you're in. So so you know, don't let ministry happen to you. Yes. Take some control of your schedule, spend some time with low maintenance church members, do the active work of building up, training others. Those things always just made me feel like, oh man, why can't ministry be more like this? Well, it can if you prioritize your schedule well. Obviously, rest has a huge um, piece of this as well. We are finite people. We're not made to go 24-7, 365. We're meant to have that good, <laughs> blessed rhythm of work and rest and work and rest. And so sabbaticals are great if you can get them. If you can get those months off or a month off you know, at a regular time, that's great. Take your vacation time. But just weekly, you need a day off. Don't use your day off for working on extra on the sermon. Have an actual day off that you spend by yourself or with your family, something that's restorative to you, that's playful for you and enjoyable for you. Um, you need to obey the command to rest. Mm. Um, and I think even during the day, having some margin in your day, this was transformative for me, was not to go, I'm working for my day off Saturday. Yes. But, hey, I'm working towards, you know, 4 p.m. when I'm going to breathe for an hour and just sit there. Or I'm working towards, you know, have some have some downtime sort of worked into your schedule every day um, as well. Mm. Uh, when you're not feeling it, I want to talk about sort of like the re, the response or the reaction that people have when they they're in maybe uh, they're in burnout or on yeah. the edge of burnout. Uh, what do you do? How do you make decisions? Um, I'll let you go in a second, but the first thing I would say is when someone calls me or, or reaches out to me, um, and I hear from a lot of pastors in a lot of a lot of situations that are similar to this on a regular basis. The first thing I say when they're, you know, in terms of thinking, do I need to leave? Do I need to quit? The first thing I say is, how long have you felt this way? Like if this is two weeks, a month into the feeling, don't make any rash decisions. Now's not the time to be making a rash decision about quitting or you're not called or something like that. But if this is something you've been experiencing six months or longer, that's really time to start reevaluating. Um, it, it doesn't mean you need to leave. But it certainly means that this is a long settled in, uh, maybe even longer than a season, that there is a sense of maybe calling away or a reevaluation of your giftings, your calling, your context, something like that. But don't make any rash decisions or, or, or see an emergency, something that could you know, just be something that's temporary. Um, have, have a long view in mind. What's, what else would you say to somebody who um, right now they would say, gosh, guys, I'm I'm not feeling it. Yeah. Yeah. I think what you said about not making rash decisions in that moment, uh, that's important. And then part of that is, um, and again, some people don't have this. And so I feel bad even saying it, but um, this is one of the, you know, millions of reasons you and I would argue for a plurality of elders. Yeah. Uh, I know the exact guys I'm taking my sorrow to 
when there's seasons of dryness, I, I'm taking them to my pastors and I'm saying, guys, um, no announcement here or anything, no to-dos necessarily, but I want you to know that uh, I'm just not feeling it right now. Ministry is not bringing me joy the way it normally does. Um, I want you to be aware of that. I want you to watch my soul. I want you to protect my decision-making, protect my emotions, protect my family. And typically, at least in my case, my pastors are very good at that. They'll, they'll know, like, uh, they know what stokes my joy. They'll, 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 they'll pursue those things. Or they know, hey, this is not the time to give Ronnie a ton of administration work. Uh, this is not the time to give him something that's going to, like, drain his soul even more that he hates to do, you know. Um, so that's big. This might sound really silly, but <laughs> I have challenged myself before with this, and it's actually worked. And this might not work for you, listener, so feel free to just ignore this. But sometimes when I'm really not feeling it, I'll go evangelize. Okay. <laughs> Again, All this right. can sound silly, but I spend a lot of time at coffee shops anyway. Yeah. Um, I try to build relational capacity with non-believers on purpose. Yeah. I don't always pull the trigger every time I'm there. Some people would want me to do it off more often. But sometimes if, you know, if I'm just like really not feeling it, I'll try to share the gospel with a non-believer because I know what it's like. I know what that journey is like from it, moving from ignorance or simpleness to wisdom. Obviously, have have so much room to grow, but that it reminds me. It's like this is what we this is what we're doing. Yeah, this is why I'm doing this anyway. Right. And so sometimes I recognize that some of the spiritual dryness I have. I'm way too concerned with denominational life or what this person said on social media or. I, my, my care, my, my sphere of concern is way bigger than my sphere of influence. Mm. And it's just draining me. It's drowning me. And sometimes like sharing the gospel with a non-believing barista is just what my soul needs to like shake out of this. Yeah. This is life and death here, you know? Um, so anyways, maybe you should go share the gospel with somebody and just yeah. get reinvigorated by the miracle that is Christian salvation that you're currently walking in and living in. Yeah. Um, I think I would also encourage pastors. That, that was a good word, by the way. Um, I, this is an extreme example, but I'm struck by Corey Ten Boom telling a story about forgiving a guard at the Ravensbrück yeah. um, concentration camp where her sister died and seeing this man after he had apparently been converted at a speaking engagement and him asking for her forgiveness and how she reasoned in her own, in her own head that she knew she had to forgive him, but she didn't, she obviously, you know, she said, I didn't want to, I didn't, I certainly didn't feel forgiving, but she said the, that we can act, the will can act apart from the temperature of the heart. Wow. And actually the temperature of her heart followed after she just, isn't that fascinating? She said, woodenly, I extended my hand and said, I forgive you, brother. And something happened. The Lord met her in that moment, provided the grace she needed. She had to, she had to step out in faith. And and do what God had commanded her to do, even though she didn't feel, yeah, you know, she she wasn't feeling it, and the Lord came and provided the grace she needed in that moment, wow. and 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 a feeling came alongside. I think sometimes we need to remind ourselves that doing ministry isn't based on feelings yes. or how we feel. That's good. They tell us something important, but we can't be driven by spiritual feelings. Yeah. Um, many times the spiritual feeling comes after, uh, or it's provided in the midst of our stepping out in faith. To do the right thing and 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 to minister because because of conviction, yes. not because of emotion. And so I, I want to do honor to this experience because the Bible speaks of it throughout church history. Our favorite preachers and and theologians speak of it. 
and because we've all experienced it at one time or another, it's 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 the price we pay in in one respect for ministering in a broken world as broken people. So I don't mean to downplay that at all. And yet at the same time, we are not called to minister out of our um, you know sense of feeling it. Yes, that's right. We are called to minister because Christ is worth it. Yep. And I think if we will take one you know one foot in front of the other, put one foot in front of the other in faith, the Lord will come along to honor that. And people can be ministered to well because the Holy Spirit is is real and because the gospel is powerful. And your ministry can be effective whether you're feeling it mm. or or not. Absolutely. Now, certainly we prefer that you feel it than if you don't, and we all feel that way. But that, that's a good word but for— ministry can still be effectual. Yes, that's right. That's know? a good word. That's that a good word on its own, but it's, it's also a good word in the context of, like, discipline, yeah. like your own spiritual disciplines even beyond— Oh, for sure. You know, you're talking about more of the generalities of ministry, but even the particularities of reading your Bible, praying, those kinds of things. Some of my worry, I've had the worry before in the gospel-centered tribe, which you and I happily proclaim and still love that phrase even, um, that, you know, we, we operate out of affections, not out of duty. But sometimes what happens is, like you said, the relationship between affection and duty is often yeah. who's leading today. You know, uh, I want my Bible reading to come out of affection. Right? I love Jesus so much that I can't not be in his word. But sometimes I don't feel that, you yeah. know, and it's actually the discipline that I've built, the daily habit of just turning the page, reading the next few sentences, reading that next pericope, and maybe the Lord will meet me right there and the affections yeah. are stirred again, just like that. that. That's just such a helpful word. That's good. And maybe he'll explain what pericope means. Oh my goodness. <laughs> I, know. I know what it means, but we'll just see if our listeners know what it means. <laughs> Oh, hey, let's close with a word of scripture. That's good. Um, this is a, there's a couple of pericopes in here. Oh my goodness. <laughs> what a nerd. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. Um, brother or, or sister uh, ministry leader, if you're listening to this thinking, you know what? I'm not feeling it. Um, I know that you know. And so I just want to gently remind you of the power of God's word and the way that the word of God brings healing to our souls, that more than bread even, where we find life comes from every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. So I want to close with just sharing this as, a, uh, as an encouragement to you and hopefully as a ministry to you as well. This is Psalm 103. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits who forgives all your iniquity, who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit, who crowns you with steadfast love and mercy, who satisfies you with good so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. The Lord works righteousness and justice for all who are oppressed. He made known his ways to Moses, his acts to the people of Israel. The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger, and abounding in steadfast love. He will not always chide, nor will he keep his anger forever. He does not deal with us according to our sins, nor repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his steadfast love toward those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far does he remove our transgressions from us. As a father, shows compassion to his children, so the Lord shows compassion to those who fear him. For he knows our frame. He remembers that we are dust. 
As for man, his days are like grass. He flourishes like a flower of the field. For the wind passes over it, and it is gone, and its place knows it no more. But the steadfast love of the Lord is everlasting to everlasting on those who fear him, and his righteousness to children's children, to those who keep his covenant and remember to do his commandments. The Lord has established his throne in the heavens, and his kingdom rules over all. Bless the Lord, O you his angels, you mighty ones who do his word, obeying the voice of his word. Bless the Lord, all his hosts, his ministers who do his will. Bless the Lord, all his works, in all places of his dominion. Bless the Lord, O my soul. This is the word of the Lord. Amen. And this has been the For the Church podcast. If you enjoy the podcast, as always, give us a great review, if you don't mind, on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, wherever you listen to your favorite programs. And until next time, may Jesus be big in your church. You've been listening to the For the Church podcast, hosted by Jared Wilson, found online at ftc.co. This resource is brought to you by Midwestern Baptist Theological Seminary in Kansas City, Missouri, where we train leaders for the church.